God gives us the ability to think and to reason on our own. Now that's fascinating, but let's look at this in Leviticus chapter 15. This is a great day to be reading the Bible. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemmer. And I'm Janice. And Bible Discovery takes you through the Bible every year. We are doing that today. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey, what's going on? Well, today I'm going to be taking my cues from the purity laws that we read about in Leviticus. And we're going to be talking about uh, pottery. Ryan? Today I'm doing a study on the Hebrew word Azazel, which has been translated in the King James and New International versions of the Bible as the scapegoat. All right, the scapegoat. Really, that's going to be interesting as we study that. Janice, what are you doing? My segment today is called God Cares Deeply. In fact, he does. So take your Bible guide out if you don't have one. We'll tell you how to get one in a moment. But take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage as we read Leviticus chapter 15. This is a great passage to begin to understand what God is saying. Leviticus 15, verses 13 through 18. And when he who has a discharge is cleansed of his discharge, then he shall count for himself seven days for his cleansing, wash his clothes, and bathe his body in running water. Then he shall be clean. On the eighth day he shall take for himself two turtle doves, or two young pigeons, and come before the Lord to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and give them to the priest. Then the priest shall offer them, the one as a sin offering, and the other as a burnt offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord because of his discharge. If any man has an omission of semen, then he shall wash all his body in water and be unclean until evening. And any garment and any leather on which there is semen, it shall be washed with water and be unclean until evening. Also, when a woman lies with a man and there is an omission of semen, they shall bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Leviticus chapter 15, verses 13 through 18. As we continue reading in the Bible through Leviticus, this gets really interesting. You know, the God of the Hebrews gave the Hebrews a law. And that was a unique law for many of the other cultures of their time including the culture which they came from. Cleanliness was an important part of serving God. The law was about making all of Israel a sign of God's deeper truth. That's right. To be in the presence of God, one must be washed internally from sin. To be a part of Israel physically representing God's truth, one also had to be washed externally. Now, Leviticus chapter 15, which we're going to talk about today, gave specific laws about bodily discharges of various types. Israel was instructed on how to wash themselves from these. Now, this may seem like an ancient cultural law that has no significance today, but it is possible to find meaning in the details 
And those details, we'll just talk about a few of them, have meaning. You see, the things that make us human can also separate us from God. Israel was to be wholly dedicated to God, and the law helped them make their cultural differences demonstrate that. Now, it's interesting because we expect God to have rules for the priesthood. But here we learn that, well, God also requires a level of dedication in the form of cleanliness from all of his people. Now, they were to live differently from the nations around them, remembering God in all of the details of their lives. And may I say today, beloved, that today that's absolutely true. We need to make sure that we understand God desires us to have a level of cleanliness inside of us, and it can only be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we focus on this, I want to remind you to get out the Bible guide. If you don't have the Bible guide, why not? I'll send you one if you write to us or call us, or simply go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, and when you do that, uh, just, it'll take you to a page, make a donation. Thank you for your donations. We really appreciate them now. And, uh, but when you make a donation, it takes you to a page called the PDF file page. And it takes you, you can download the February guide. It's very exciting. Today, we're going to be talking about ways of cleanliness from Leviticus 15 verses 13 to 18. Let's pray. Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would help us to see from these laws or these ideas of cleanliness, which you put in, which are your commands, that we have something we need to pay attention to. And Lord, help us to read from the Bible, not to read into the Bible, the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen and amen. Now, when we read the scripture, understand that, of course, it seems cultural, but there's another meaning here. Let's begin to read Leviticus 15, verse 13, and here is what it says. And when he whom has discharged is cleansed from his discharge, then he shall count for himself seven days for his cleanliness, washing away his clothes and bathing his body in running water. And then he shall be clean on the eighth day. Now, this is important. It's the eighth day. That's fascinating. We'll talk about that in a minute. He shall take for himself two turtle doves, two young pigeons, and come before the Lord to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and give them to the priest. Fascinating. God gave the law concerning bodily discharges. Now, God gives us the ability to think. We can think. But we wash and we be clean. Now, you've heard the story and you've heard it said that cleanliness is next to godliness. Well, that seems to be a reference to these passages. Cleanliness is next to godliness. But nevertheless, God expects us as we serve him to change and to come become like him. And if you don't want your life to change, then why would you come to the Lord? But if you understand that all of us live in this sin world, and the only way to escape sin is to invite Jesus Christ into your life, then you understand that we need to change. And God will change us. We cannot change ourselves. Very interesting. Now let's go on to chapter 15, verse 15. 
Then the priest shall offer them the one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering, a sin offering and a burnt offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord because of his discharge. And that brings me to the second point, which is offerings to God are important because they represent submission to the Lord. Offerings to God are important because they represent submission, the S word, to the Lord. We must submit to God. Cleanliness is a part of becoming godly. And again, I like to say, we need to remember that we have to change. We have to be different. And we do that through the acceptance of Jesus Christ into our heart and the filling of the Holy Spirit. And God begins to change us. Now, that becomes extremely important, and I've got the, a number of testimonies I could refer to. We don't have time for all of them today. But there are just countless testimonies around the world. So keep that in mind. Now, we're going to come back to this in a minute. Leviticus 15, 16 to 18. Watch this. If any man has an omission of semen, then he shall wash all his body in water and be unclean until evening. And if any garment and any leather on which there is semen, then it shall be washed with water and be unclean until evening. Also, when a woman lies with a man and there is an emission of semen, they shall bathe in water and be unclean until evening. That's fascinating, which leads me to the third point. You see, God spoke to his people about all aspects of life. God spoke to his people about all aspects of life, and we are to faithfully pay attention to how we keep ourselves. And husbands, you have a responsibility to your wife and how you keep yourself. Wives, you have a responsibility to your husbands and how you keep yourself. If you are Christian, if you have committed your life to Jesus Christ, that becomes very important. And so today we learn that when we come to follow God, we have responsibilities. It's a free gift, of course. But our responsibility is then to serve God and to follow Jesus Christ. And this is what we need to do. Lord, help us today to serve and to follow you in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen. Jesus Christ spoke to us and told us not to be afraid not to be troubled by these times. This is the beginning of the end. This is the beginning of God's final reconciliation with the world. God is going to make things change in our lives. And this is very important. He has selected you and myself to live in this time. And I find that absolutely amazing. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And today my focus is on Leviticus chapter 16, which records the institution of the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur. And what's really fascinating here is that two goats are selected. One is for a blood sacrifice and the other is left alive and driven into the wilderness, bearing the sins of the people. Now, the King James and New International versions of the Bible call this goat the scapegoat. And this is actually a translation of the Hebrew word Azazel. But many Christian scholars actually believe that scapegoat is the wrong translation of the word. Well, let's take a closer look. 
One of the most important and critical elements in Christian theology is atonement. Atonement refers to the covering over or removal of sin, and interestingly, more than half of the occurrences of the word atonement in Scripture are found in Leviticus chapter 16, which describes the Day of Atonement. This annual holy day celebrated the covering of national sins by the offering of two goats to God, one killed and the other driven into the wilderness. Indeed, once the sacrificial goat had been offered, the high priest laid his hands on the head of the live goat and confessed over him the sins of the people. The goat was then sent away into the wilderness, bearing away with it the sins of the people. That both of these goats anticipated and typified Jesus Christ's later passion is not a subject of debate among true Christian scholarship. In fact, it was the renowned Old Testament scholar Gleason Archer who declared that each sacrificial animal referred to in the Mosaic Law symbolized some aspect of Christ's atoning work. On this point, virtually all Christian scholars agree. However, where not all agree is in regard to the goat which the King James and New International versions of the Bible call the scapegoat. The Hebrew word is Azazel, but there is uncertainty regarding its meaning. As a result, various explanations have been put forward. Traditional expositors believe that Azazel should be taken as a proper name of the goat itself, meaning the goat that departs, hence the conventional rendering of scapegoat. However, some scholars believe this interpretation is incorrect, since the goat was released to or for Azazel in Leviticus 16.8. An alternative interpretation says that Azazel referred not to the goat, but instead designated the area to which the goat was released as a rugged or desolate place. Still, several scholars reject both of these interpretations because of the parallelism of Leviticus 16.8 which they say demands a personal name to be in opposition to the Lord. The verse reads, Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for Azazel. Based on this, these scholars connect Azazel with some sort of a desert demon, in particular the leader of the demons. Support for this identification is found in the apocryphal book of one Enoch, where Azazel is the head of the rebel angels. Of course, this latter interpretation is not without challenges either. For example, one of the main objections with this view is that the scriptures clearly forbid sacrificing to demons. On the other hand, as one scholar points out, there is no hint of this goat being a sacrifice. This goat is not ritually slain, there are no rites with its blood, and it's not burned on an altar. Rather, it carries the sins of the congregation to Azazel and leaves them at their source. Now, please hear me when I say that I'm not here to push one view over the other. I just wanted us to be aware that not all scholars agree on the interpretation of the meaning of Azazel. But as I mentioned in the segment, what Christian scholars do agree on is that Jesus Christ was and is the ultimate fulfillment of the Day of Atonement, and of all the Jewish feasts for that matter. And that's what's important. In fact, I'd like to cap this off with a quote from Jerry Vines. He says this, our Jewish friends still observe the Day of Atonement every year. Today they have no temple, no priest, and no lamb. What our Jewish friends need to know is that the day, of the, the day the Lord Jesus Christ died at Calvary, he fulfilled the Day of Atonement. When Jesus said, it is finished, our sins weren't just covered, our sins were put away forever. Amen. That, yeah, that's important to remember that because Jesus Christ was fully God and and uh, fully man. And the idea is that he made the final sacrifice and the whole scapegoat uh, deal was involved in showing the people what would 
take place in the future. And then when it took place, it was done. Mm -hmm. It Absolutely. was finished. Mm -hmm. So that's really interesting. I think that's fascinating, Ryan. Thank you. Corey? All right. Well, today, you know, we've read through and, and even our reading today in the Bible Guide uh, covered some of the sections of Leviticus that talked about uh, various purity laws. And uh, several of the, these laws talk about when pottery vessels become ritually impure, that they needed to be broken. They couldn't be washed or, or anything of the sort like wood bowls could. Uh, they had to be smashed. So that can be thinking about pottery and ancient pottery, which is a whole study in and of itself, you know, a whole field uh, of archaeologists focus and specialize in ancient pottery. So let's take a look at ancient pottery and how it was created. A very natural association is made in the Bible between God and the professional potter. The biblical belief of God creating man from the dirt of the ground mimicked the creative act of the potter, who, after sourcing the natural clay, then formed and fired it to make a useful thing. This creative comparison between potters and God is made in biblical books, like Job, coming from the mouth of Elihu, I am just like you before God, I was also pinched off from a piece of clay. And Jeremiah, coming from the mouth of God, just like clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, house of Israel. The craft of forming and firing pottery is extremely ancient. The raw clay was either dug from the ground or settled out of clay sediment rich waters, depending on where you were in the world. The clay would then be hand cleared of any impurities like stones or sticks, mixed with water to the perfect consistency and kneaded by foot in large piles to rid it of air bubbles and achieve good forming texture. The potter would then form his vessels. There were several ways to do this. By hand and with scrapers and sticks to beat while using mats or wheels to turn, and or holes in the ground to help shape the clay. During the biblical time period, potters in the ancient Middle East generally used wheels, some turned by apprentices for the potter and others turned by the foot of the potter himself. Once a vessel was just the way the potter wanted, it was pinched off of the wheel by hand or string and set aside to dry for several days, leaving a leathery type of vessel. Then it would be fired in a kiln. In some other societies, clay was sometimes fired in open fires, but in the biblical Levant, many remains of permanent kilns have been found that show this was the preferred and most often used method there. These permanent kilns were composed of a firebox underneath that would be tended by the potter, and above the firebox, pottery could be stacked in the enclosed kiln and baked until perfectly durable. Clay pottery was economical and tremendously useful to ancient man, and today it helps the modern archaeologist assign dates to excavation sites. So, I mean, pottery was an ingenious way to live off of the land, you know, and to, to utilize natural resources in order to make our lives more comfortable and, and more practical. Uh, but it's important uh, to note here these purity laws uh, recorded in Leviticus for us because this is going to come into play strangely enough, when we get into the time period of the New Testament, uh, there is a really interesting
interesting uh, phenomena that archaeologists and historians have noted in the physical remains coming from the time of the first century AD, BC and AD. And, and basically it has to do with in Jewish populations, less and less pottery is seen and more and more stone vessels are seen. And they believe this is because stone vessels were seen as um, incapable of becoming impure uh, rather than wood that could be washed uh, but was difficult to you know it was more of a rare resource uh, and pottery of course which was very easily uh, damaged and while it was cheap and readily available if you had to break it it was still inconvenient because you either had to make more or go and buy more uh, so it's really interesting uh, to note here in Leviticus uh, to pay attention to these purity laws because they do come into play later on as we're reading through the scriptures it's important because, you know, the pottery and all of that, that's the practical side or the cultural mm -hmm. side, if you would, yeah. of the law. And the law has a cultural side. Mm -hmm. The law has an eternal side. And that's like the first through the 10th commandment. It's, it's eternal. Well, thou yeah. shalt not murder is eternal. Yeah, and, and understanding the culture is important because, uh, you know, when we get into some of the more difficult to understand books of the Old Testament, like the prophets, you know, these are classically some of the more difficult areas of scripture mm -hmm. to understand. They will utilize things like pottery and the making of pottery and, and, and cultural views on these things to explain visions that God has given them or to explain what is going to happen or explain the politics of the day. So if you don't know the culture at all and you haven't been paying attention to the Mosaic law, you're already at a disadvantage when you come to difficult books like the prophets. So this is just building our repertoire of knowledge so that when we get there, we have, you know, kind of a step up to help us interpret some of these more difficult passages. Fascinating stuff, mm -hmm. Janice. Well, and, and on, on that same vein, you know, we, we're talking about a spiritual and eternal principles within the law and human. As we're getting into Leviticus chapter 15 here, uh, you know, in my Bible, it, it's given a, a title, the law concerning bodily discharges. And you think, oh my goodness, like this is getting really personal. Now, I want you to understand that these bodily discharges were not, these were abnormal bodily functions that were happening. And so, as Corey mentioned, with uh, vessels, earthen pottery vessels, they're porous, of course, so they would have to be smashed. They would become unclean because it was uh, here listed to prevent the spread of disease through food and food utensils, so it makes sense. So, the human purpose for these laws given by God were to protect uh, from spread of disease. And I gave an example of um, the the way Corey did in verse 12, even with the vessels of the earth, the earthen vessels. And the wooden things could be washed, but the others could not. It made me think about how God cared so very deeply about the intimate details of his people and cared about it so much that it's recorded in his word for us even today. And your point is well taken, Corey, that we very much need to understand the culture of the times in which we read in order to know how to apply it into our lives, because it, it doesn't mean that it's irrelevant just because our culture is different. Mm -hmm. We can still draw 
lessons and learn from what we read in the Bible. The Bible is timeless. It's not this dusty old book that we should shelve and say, well, it was written thousands of years ago. It has no meaning for me. Quite the opposite. There is so much for us to learn. And I'm so glad that you've joined us so early on in the year as we travel through the scriptures in Leviticus and and going into numbers in a little bit. But God cared so deeply for his people then And the character of God does not change. He still cares very deeply about his people today. And um, he cares about those intimate details. That's why when we give our hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ, as the Lord, we are to follow him. We are to know his word and not just know his word, but get it into our hearts and then live out his word by following him. Listen to the words of Jesus as he explains in John chapter 10, how he's the good shepherd. He says the thief, and he's, re- he's referring to Satan, does not, he does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. This is what sin did in Leviticus with these bodily dysfunctions, abnormalities that we see here. This is what happened as a result of sin. Satan comes in to steal from us, to destroy us. But God sets things in order to help us to learn, to help us to grow, to help us to know what we're doing. And so it says here, the thief, Satan, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That's why it's so important for us to know his word, to live out his word, and to seek after him every day. Because when we follow him, we do have more, a better life, and we have it more abundantly.
as we conclude the program today, it becomes important to consider what we've said. Now, there's many other things that we can talk about when we talk about the law of God, but we've just focused on one today, and we need to understand that God is teaching us, beloved. And so I want to encourage you to read your Bible. This is not the time to stop. This is the time to continue. And also, as we pray today, Father, I pray today, renew my mind and spirit and my body in help and keep me clean before you. 